All right, well, here we go. All right, good morning. morning. It's still morning. If you're visiting, my name is Peter. I serve as the lead pastor of the Springs. And I want to say congratulations for being in church today. It's a special day. Today, we're talking about body image. Body image. Did you know that you are a mysterious creature? That according to Genesis 1, the very first chapter in the Bible, says you're made in the very image of a living God. Can you help me out? Can you turn to your neighbor and say, you're a mysterious creature? You're a mysterious creature. See, this, is, this, is, this mystery wasn't lost on King David when he wrote this psalm. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet to honor God's word. We're going to read 18 verses of Psalm 139, the mystery and wonder of us and God's glory. Psalm 139, to the choir master, a psalm of David. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even there the darkness is not dark to you and night is bright as the day for darkness is light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was being made in the secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. How precious are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they would be more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. God's word. Thank you. Y'all can be seated as we pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you. We, We ask that you would break down the walls that prevent us from agreeing with this song in our bodies and our souls And we are asking that you would align our hearts to sing in our bodies, our minds, with our mouths. Sing along with your word and King David to honor you for being our maker instead of dishonoring you in our minds and our bodies. So help us. Help us to repent of our irreverence in order to receive your love. Amen. 
I want to say something to you with every bit as much caution as confidence. I believe that I have a message from God for you. And I hope that you can give ear and give heart to it. God says that your body is beautiful. God says your body is beautiful, that your frame, as it were, were not hidden from him. Your distinctly beautiful, unique frame was not hidden from God. He says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. See, when God whispered this into the ear of David, the man of men, who was man enough to slay armies and yet play the harp at the same day, probably. When God whispered this to David about his person and his body, David agreed. And I hope that we can. You know, David not only agreed, but he responded by saying in verse 14, my soul knows it very well. And so I ask you, does your soul know it very well? Can you agree with God's word? Do you call blessed what God's word calls blessed in your body? Do you bless that which God blesses or do you curse it? Does your soul curse your body? We're going to be extremely personal today because there is a blessing for you that you need to receive. And I want to organize our time remaining by issuing three commands, imperatives, charges, as it were. And I hope that you can process with your heart. Repent, revere, receive. So first of all, repent. When you hear the word repent, most often it's referencing a New Testament word, mostly New Testament. In the New Testament, this word is literally just means metanoia, meaning change your mind. Repent. I believe that we need to change our minds in our culture, especially, about how we've come to disagree with what God says about our bodies And we've come into agreement with idols that only kill souls and bodies. We need to repent. In fact, let me just ask you this. When when you're alone and you look at the mirror and you see yourself and you see your face and your body, does the the, the thought bubble up into your mind? Wow. Fearfully and wonderfully made. You know, as funny as it sounds, that is the thought that should come when you look in the mirror. Now, what you can do with that thought, you can go in a direction of pride or of praise. And the pride thing is a different message from today. But you should have that thought and go to praise. And besides, I think the people that most often put on this facade of pride really have a deeper issue of insecurity anyway. So, so can you look at yourself and say, overwhelmingly, fearfully and wonderfully made? I, I would argue that probably not. 
like you should. And as much as it's a self-confidence thing, it's a worship thing. And we need to talk about it today. Why can't we look at our cell phones and acclaim the beautiful craftsmanship and then turn and curse our bodies as being you know, somehow insufficient and think that we're not grieving the heart of God who created us, who, who has given us a lot more of a craftsmanship to praise than the iPhone. What's wrong with us? What, why, why can we grieve God when we talk about our bodies and when we lift up false images about how our bodies should be and be okay with that? That God made us Inherently beautiful, wondrous, fearful. Now regarding these idols, let me point out a few specific things in our culture that just need to be named. I think our culture worships idols in in, in human bodies of thinness and unnatural curvature. So check this out. With this curvature thing for a minute, I'm not just going to pick on women with this because men have a strange, weird struggle with this unnatural curvature thing. I go to the gym and I work out a lot. It's, it's mostly good for my mind too. But I go out and I try to get stronger, right? I try to get my muscles stronger. And I go in there though and I see guys working out. And it's not just that they're in there, uh, some of these guys, that, like that have a disproportionately high amount of time and energy. And it's not that they're in there to strengthen their muscles. They're trying to acquire a muscular curvature that's not theirs and it's not what God designed. It's more cartoonish than human. And I think, and I'm looking at these guys and it's strange to me. And then thoughts flood my mind like, you know, like, first of all, like, is this dude ever going to mix in a leg day? And also, like, I wonder. I wonder what this costs to maintain this facade. Like, I'm thinking about his food budget, and I'm already nervous about feeding my six people in my home. Like, what's going on with this guy? Like, how much does this cost? So I'm not just here to pick on women uh, in the female curvature issue, but men too. But let's talk about the female curvature thing. We worship an idol of female curvature that's not what God created. Have you ever heard of these, uh, these new modern day corset things. They were wicked hundreds of years ago, but now they they have a new name. They're called like waist trainers, right? Waist trainers. Apparently they're supposed to train the female body to achieve some sort of uh, curvature like a, a, a hourglass or something like that. But the question I have to ask Kim Kardashian, who profits off of this filth, and anyone who would be tempted, precious souls who would be tempted to buy something like this, I want to ask, what needs training? Who needs training? Does God? Does God need our help? Does he need our editing with how the the human body should be curved and formed? And besides this, not only are using these things, is it irreverent towards our maker, but it hurts our bodies. Doctors are finding that these things are causing all sorts of issues with internal organs and digestive pattern issues in precious bodies that are already fearfully and wonderfully made. See, we idolize unnatural curvature and we idolize thinness in our culture in a really strange way. An awful way. Now, 
today I want to, I, I, I want to cast out in silence all forms of body shame here. Okay? So if you're naturally skinny here, and that's how God made you, I want to tell you, you are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, uniquely skinny, and there's nothing to be ashamed about. But here's the crazy thing. I don't think there's a whole lot of skinny people in here that need to hear that. And it's not because there's not a whole lot of skinny people in here. It's because the skinny people are in here are convinced for terrible reasons that they're not skinny enough. And this is the problem. Why is this? Because we need to change our minds about ourselves, but more preeminently about the God who beautifully created us and is due some worship for his majesty in this area. We need to change our minds. Not only do we need to change our minds about how God made us in his work to be beautiful in appearance, but we need to change our minds with honoring God for how he made our bodies to function beautifully. I mean, the way he made us to function is amazing. The the, the more biologists discover, the more they are left in a place of awe. Let me point out something specific that God made us. And it's weird that I have to mention this. Do you know God made us to acquire and store energy gastrointestinally? Meaning we eat food and we store fat. I said the F word. That's how we're made. This is a glorious thing. God deserves some credit for how he made us. He could have made us in a different way. We could have, you know, gotten our energy from going outside and we're like solar powered with like a battery attachment or something. But that's not how he made us. We have hunger and it's satisfied. And here's the other thing about the whole process. We have a palate and we acquire energy through enjoyment of food. God is good, is he not? I heard an important joke that's, that's really fitting right now uh, this weekend. Okay, you ready for this? What's better than cheese? It's a trick question. Nothing's better than cheese. Now, if you argue, and uh, you, know, you hear me causing division here, look, bacon-infused cheese is still cheese, okay? So we can be in unity together, all right? God is good for how he made us. My wife is a dietitian. Uh, she's a registered dietitian and nutritionist. And she does these online classes that I'm currently enrolled in because I need this mind-changing metanoia just like you do. And in these classes, it's funny, whether it's people that come to the classes or people that come to her for private counseling, they come to her expecting her to exalt thinness and dieting, and how certain foods, at least, are really bad, and we should avoid them and not eat too much. And look, when her message is the exact opposite, like literally the exact opposite, some people's paradigms are completely blown, and many people are liberated in the process to actually be healthy, and be healthy about being healthy, which is so rare in our culture. I love my wife and what she does. And it's funny that people would think anything else of her class because her class is called Stop Dieting. <laughs> Stop starving yourself, in essence. In this class this week, I heard this statistic that's alarming. Of over 2,000 Americans surveyed, 
45% feel that when that feel guilty whenever they eat foods that they enjoy. Now, as it relates to reverence to God and worship and churchy things, let me just point out something obvious. It's impossible to earnestly thank God for something and simultaneously be guilty about it. I'm not speaking as a nutritional expert here, but as a pastor, as a pastor who has a a, a cursory oversight and overlook of of how God made us biologically. Uh, But let me just say, God made us to eat food, and we should do that. Now, it seems ridiculously obvious, but uh, like, for instance, when some people get older, they lose their teeth, or, or maybe they have digestive, unique digestive needs. Uh, they need to subsist primarily off of liquids and shakes and things like that, okay? But I'm going to say something that's weird that it's controversial. The rest of us with teeth, we should eat food primarily. And the fact that what I just said comes across in our culture as somewhat edgy to some serves to prove my point of the problem that precedes our need to repent, to change our minds, to align ourselves with the freedom that God has for us. We need to repent for lifting up an image about humanity that's different than how God fearfully and wonderfully made humans. We, we also need to repent about how he's diversely made us all different in this fearful and wonderful design. He's created each of us differently. He's designed different skin tones and, and statures and different shapes. He's good at what he does. He's a good creator. I want, I want you to help me Help me with this repentance thing right now. Can you put your arms on your person? This is going to be good. This is profound. Put your arms on your person and say, God, you're a good creator. Good job. That's done. Now, that was easier than what we're about to do. Right now, we're going to undo anything in our our lives that's disagreed with what you just did. We're going to root it out. You're not going to do it out loud. You're going to think about some things. How have you cursed how God specifically, distinctly, beautifully, diversely, particularly made you? How have you cursed that? How how have you shamed, perhaps, spoken shame over your your hair, your ears, your thighs, your, your waist, your feet, your hips, your voice? Uh, the way you think about things, your intellect. You know, one could say, man, I'm so ashamed at my skinny legs, right? And the paraplegic says to that person, change your mind. Use those skinny legs to, to obey God, to run to what he calls you to run to, and to enjoy the life that he's given you that's so brief. We need to repent, Please know that when you tear yourself down, you're in, essence, you're in essence accusing your maker of a wrong done. You're hurting yourself, but you're grieving God. A few years ago, 
uh, I started gaining weight. It was like kind of like the, I turned 30 and uh, something happened where I started gaining weight. And, and what was worse about it was just, I, I just got all uh, paranoid about it. Like uh, looking back, it was good, you know, because our second child, my wife didn't gain any weight because he was adopted. And so, I, you know, I needed the adoption weight. Um, but I didn't feel as funny about it at the time. I was like paranoid about it. And, and my paranoia over a few pounds triggered a reaction that set me in motion. And it wasn't just the weight that I gained, but the way I was going about life. I wasn't healthy. I wasn't sleeping right. And over a period of six months, I gained 30 pounds. And, and listen, and let me stop here and say, if you gain 30 pounds in six months, that is really healthy if you're pregnant. If you're making a fearfully and wonderfully made person, you better gain at least 30 pounds in six months. That's a different, this different message. But if you're not pregnant, come on. There was something about my inner workings and my shame, and I tried so hard to stop it. Now, the next year, I, I lost the weight. But looking back, it wasn't necessarily dieting. It was, it was an unhealthy, though, uh, way that I went about my whole mindset about things. And how ugly the way that I was thinking in this unhealthy process of losing the weight was made clear when my precious four-year-old daughter looked at me and held up a cheese stick and said, Daddy, how many calories are in this cheese stick? And I started crying. Repent. Number two, revere. Revere. Check out the reverence in these few verses in the middle of this psalm. This is amazing. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. Verse 14, I praise you. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Now, I love the King James Version. Instead of saying intricately woven, it says curiously wrought. Curiously wrought. Now, I think that feels more fitting to me when I think about my four babies and how they're all different. They're all curiously wrought in the way that they're formed and their distinct little behaviors. Uh, I want to show you a video about something that when my wife and I look at our baby eating food, it's simple as that, it causes an amazing amount of reverence that she has this sacred activity of food eating at 18 months old, little Bethlehem Ellen, that we look at and it causes worship for us. Like, this is how, this, this is how things should be. And I want to show you this. Go ahead. This is oatmeal, which is, they're saying, avena. Sí, es un poco loco. Mommy, un, Buffy is silly, Mommy, Buffy is silly. That's my three-year-old saying how silly she is. Look at her feet. Absurdita, chulita. Sí, come lo que tienes. Yo te doy, mamá. Mmm, avena. Yummy, avena. 
What happens to someone in the course of a human life where we can look upon this little creation with wonder, but then look upon ourselves in the mirror with a whole different paradigm of thinking? I, I know God's looking and saying, what, what's, what's happening with my people, with my babies? I want to say something about her that I think you need to hear, and you'll hear it from the Holy Spirit today if you listen. I love her. I love her body. I love the fat on her thighs that I squeeze when I'm playing with her or when I'm holding her. On her cheeks when I kiss her so much that the scruff on my face makes her cheeks all red. I love poking her little body so that she has that deep gut laugh that comes out. I love that she loves to eat food. I love every part of my baby's body. But here's what I hate. I hate that this person is going to grow up in a culture where she is taught by culture that she's supposed to be ashamed about all that. That she's supposed to be ashamed about eating too much instead of hearing how God made her to eat food and praising him for it and listening to him. She's, she's supposed to be ashamed about parts of her body unless they're gauntly thin. She, she's supposed to be ashamed of what God's called blessed and precious. And I want to know at what point, at what point does this happen? Can, please, can someone please tell me, at what point? Is it age three? Is it four? Is it five? What happens when a little girl starts being ashamed of her body and thinking that's okay? I want to know when it is. I want to help her. I, I, am, I want my voice and God's voice to be stronger than the other voices, but I hate the other voices and I want to know, what do I have to do? And what happened to us? And how can we start hearing the Father's voice more and align ourselves with what he thinks and function in light of that. What does it take? See, not only do we need to repent for cursing our bodies, we need to revere how he's made us. See, it's not, it's not okay to just be in neutral and be like, okay, God, I'm okay with my body. That doesn't help. Who, whoever nurtured and cherished and protected something they're just okay with. God wants you to revere, to look and say, fearfully, wonderfully made. I'm saying it with my mouth and I'm saying it with my life. You see, you will revere and protect and cherish that which is reverential to you, but you will treat shamefully that which you're ashamed of. And unfortunately, there's really no in-between. Now, even looking back on my whole weight loss experience, I remember that year, I was, first of all, driven by this motivation, shame that I had gained the weight in the first place and fear that I'd gain it back again. And so the last several years, I've been telling myself, Peter, you gained the weight when you were trying, so, so you need to try harder, is what I told myself, right? I never stopped until recently and thought, wait a minute, maybe that was the problem. And I found out in this class that I'm taking statistically that was a problem. The trying hard thing, the, the so paranoid and not at peace with my health, not being healthy about health, that was the problem. The shame and the fear that drove what I was doing instead, instead of worship. 
The difference between trying to shame something into change versus nurturing it reverently into growth is the difference between abuse and love. And we need to stop abusing ourselves. I'm going to pick on Philip McCorder. Everyone say hi to Philip in the back. He's our admin director and our kids director. Don't worry, he doesn't get embarrassed easy. Philip is a mighty man of faith. And uh, physically, he's compact. All the power of a, of a, uh, a Goliath in a compact frame, right? And he's gotten the jokes before about being a littler guy from people growing up, right? And what I love about Philip, and as you get to know him, that's so refreshing uh, more than anything else is his confidence, his confidence in how he pursued his Hannah, who's now his wife, his confidence and reverence for how God uniquely made him. He never felt that he had to be like an NFL prospect looking guy to be secure in his body. Uh, And he never grew up working out a whole lot. But this year, he says that God, quote, told him to get his butt in the gym. Uh, his, his energy was waning as he played with his small kids. And, and uh, so he went to the gym. And that's what he's been doing. And we, sh- we go to the same gym. And I see him working hard. And I'm impressed with it. And I'm, I, I see how it's, it's increased his productivity and how he, uh, at home and at work here. And I... I love it. But listen, here's something you need to know about Philip. Philip doesn't go to exercise to acquire a different body than the one he has. He goes to nurture, protect, and cherish the fearfully and wonderfully made body that God has given him. And there is a big difference between those two. Stewardship. Stewardship means caring for or managing what belongs someone else. And in this case, our bodies belong to God. And when you think about stewardship, it's mostly a money term. We're going to talk about money a lot. We're going to see people set free in heart financial ways in the coming weeks in our Blessed Life series. But thinking about this with money, a man who is ashamed of having a little bit of money is not going to nurture and protect and grow that and appreciate that investment and he'll wind up with less money. It's just a simple law. But a man or a woman who cherishes, nurtures, feeds the money they have, whether it's a little bit of money or a lot of bit of money, will wind up with more money. It's a simple principle. Now, as it relates to our bodies, I want to ask you this. Do you cherish and reverently appreciate the body God's given you? I mean, by all means, appreciate your body, and it will appreciate in health. I mean, by all means, improve upon upon what God's given you, right? Improve upon it. Improve your health. Uh, I was thinking about whether or not to say this or not, but I can say this. Improve the way you look. There's nothing wrong with that. But be careful. I said improve the way you look. Cherish, nurture, protect the way God made you to distinctly reflect the beautiful image of God on this earth. Improve your health. 
Strengthen your muscles. Increase your vertical leap. That's what I'm doing right now. That's one of my fitness goals. I want to jump higher. Improve your health. That's important. Eat food in reverent worship to God. Eating food is something God gives us. In fact, when he says, as often as you come together, do this in remembrance of me, he's reminding us that his body, his physical body and his blood shed is what gives us the sustenance spiritually, physically, in any sort of way to have health and to grow together. Be reverential in how you eat food and exercise with reverence and worship to your creator. But everything should be done from a point of reference, reverence. And I'm not saying that maybe none of us are unhealthy, but I am saying if you don't first make peace with where you are, skinny, bigger, whatever shape that God's made you, you won't be healthy with what God's given you. So make peace and revere And agree with him that you're beautiful and improve upon it and appreciate it. You're only going to receive and achieve a physical fitness that doesn't undermine your emotional or spiritual fitness when you do it from a place of reverence rather than from a place of shame or covetousness. Now here's a a question. Are your exercise and health goals aimed at reverently and joyfully improving upon what God has given you? Or, let's be honest, on the other hand, are your goals or maybe your uh, rendering of goals or giving up on goals or lack of goals, are they driven by a shame about what God's given you or what he hasn't given you? Or driven by a look to achieve something that he hasn't designed you for? Repent. Revere, and finally, receive. I believe that God wants to hold you in his arms if only you would receive his embrace. Check this out, verses 9 and 10. There's something that's really easy to miss here. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. Now, I want to throw some light on this, and it'll change your life, if you receive it. We don't have an English word, a singular English word, for this word that's translated right hand. Uh, Spanish, there's an English word, or, or a singular Spanish word for this, diestra. But there's a singular word in the Hebrew that's translated right hand. It's the Hebrew yamin, Right hand. Now, this word is first used right in the start of Genesis, but it's not used much until the end of Genesis, where it's, it's peppered into this account. Just a whole bunch of uses of yamin. At the end of Genesis, in this strange account of Jacob, the patriarch, right before he dies, blessing his grandchildren, his two grandchildren, the sons of Joseph. And there's Ephraim and Manasseh, the older son. And the custom was that you're supposed to bless the kids placing your yamin on the older child. And the the account takes pains to to share how he was doing the opposite. And he was putting his yamin on the younger child, Ephraim. And Joseph even tried to correct this, but he was rebuked by old Jacob. There was intentionality with putting his yamin on the younger child. Well, 
In light of this, let's compare that account to what we know about David who wrote Psalm 139. David, as you might know, if you read through 1 Samuel, he was rejected for being one of the younger sons. And even just for being who he was, we know from 1 Samuel, it was his rugged appearance and even his small body that his brothers cursed and he was cast off and he was outside of the realm of sonship in general to lead sheep, condemned to a life of pasturing. He was rejected by the yamin of his earthly father. And so it leads us to ask, what happened between 1 Samuel and Psalm 139 that this dude can receive something that would cause him to say, your right hand will hold me. God the Father, your yamin will hold me no matter where I go. What could cause him to have such a confidence? What did he receive? Well, the answer is, is he received what we desperately need to receive right now at the right hand of God. What about you? Were you like David, rejected maybe? Have you felt cursed in your body or maybe spoken curses over your own body? This is important. This is no small problem. This isn't just a self-esteem issue. This is a major sin issue. All of our curses, our self-curses, our self-alienation, all of our collective issues uh, lead to sexual issues, trust issues, family issues, enmity issues. All of our self-curses make a curse at God and make the world itself a very much less safe place to live, to say the least. This is a big problem. And it's spinning out of control contributing to all sorts of pain and vanity. And it's not unseen to God. In fact, he still holds this problem in his yamin. Do you know that Jesus eternally sat at the right hand, the yamin of God the Father? Isn't it strange, though, at that one point in human history, he put on a body, He took on human flesh, a body that has all the same basic elements as our body has. He had bone, muscle, blood, fat on his body. And in that body, he lived a perfect life, blessing and not cursing, cursing the curses, a perfect life. And because of that perfect life, he had eternal righteousness to look forward. And yet he chose instead to die to pay the penalty for our curses. He was abused for our abuse. And in his body, he suffered what we should have suffered because of our curses. He took it upon himself. That was on a Friday afternoon. And that same weekend on a Sunday morning, that same body was not in that tomb that he was buried in. He was resurrected. 43 days later, he verifiably ascended. That body ascended into heaven And that body is sitting at the right hand, the yamin of God the Father. And that body will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead. And his kingdom will have no end. And in that kingdom, that very same body wants to embrace your body. And so I ask, what needs to be reconciled now before that happens? What does God need to heal to prepare us for that moment with Jesus.
I'm going to ask our ministry team to come forward at this time, and Kristen's going to come up and play a special song. The song we're going to play right now before we dismiss is literally titled 139, as Psalm 139. And I want a purposeful moment for all of us to, to reflect on God's word, to, to, to process through some of these things. Now, we're going to process through this a lot more in growth groups in a more intimate setting to process through these things, to bless our bodies and to, to thereby bless our children and grandchildren. But right now, I want a moment of reflection and ministry. And you can sit, you can come forward if you need to receive ministry from someone during this last song. You can stand to your feet. Whatever it takes for you to receive what God wants to give you, please do that before we dismiss. You might need to receive salvation. You might need to finally say, God, maybe this is the first time you've heard a gospel like this, that God loves you. And he wants to receive you if you receive him. You might need to receive salvation in this moment. God is here and he wants to give you that. You might need to receive healing in your, in your body. You've spoken curses over your emotions, your body. Receive what only he can give.